Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Hello and welcome to a very special following on podcast from Talk Sport. I'm John Norman and today bringing you a brilliant interview between two legendary England cricketers, Darren Goff in conversation with the man of the moment, Ben Stokes, to celebrate the release of Stokes' book On Fire, which chronicles the summer of 2019 and what a summer that turned out to be. It's Darren Goff in conversation with Ben Stokes and you're listening to the following on podcast from TalkSport. Short and pulled away by Stokes, he's middled that one. Oh, that's gone all the way. That's gone into row six at least a deep mid-wicket. How did that feel? Such a natural reaction from everyone. I just think everyone's emotions and adrenaline just overtook everyone. And I don't really get emotional about too many things, but yeah, the more I tried to stop, the more more tears came out of my eyes. It was, yeah, such an amazing feeling and it's actually, yeah, it's awesome to think about now. Cummins in again and it's hit away from Well, I have the pleasure of being here at the Home of Cricket, Lords. Played here many a times myself, but the man of the moment is Ben Stokes. And what a summer it's been, Ben. Yeah, it's been um, one that I'm sure I'll be able to look back on with fond memories. It's been a really enjoyable ride. It's, it's been tough, I'm not going to lie, you know, having to um, get everything in the summer. You know, quite a short process, but... You know, speaking back through, you know, all the moments that we went through throughout this whole summer through the World Cup, through the Ashes and, and everything like that has been an enjoyable thing to be able to do. Well, it was. And listen, and I was uh, there um, at the PCA Awards and you got that award for the PCA Player of the Year. Thoroughly deserved for a player who's playing 
basically just international cricket. It's a huge honour, isn't it? And you've done the double, actually. I think you won the young player. You might have to help me with the date. Was it 2013? Uh, Yes, I think, yeah, the, the year that Durham won the championship. Yeah. So you've that won the double. Ago, that long ago, You've yeah. done the double, so you've just won that as well. How did that feel? Yeah, I think um, the thing about the PCA awards is that, you know, all the main ones are voted by um, the other players. And, you know, everyone gets a vote, everyone casts a vote, you know. It, it, and to get recognition like that from, from everybody else, you know, especially as it was... You know, all international cricket for me that summer to get voted that from the um, from the players. You know, mainly who are going to be county players because there's such a there's a there's a lot of them. Uh, I voted for for Simon Harmer because uh, every time I looked at the scoreboard to see if Cookie was still turning out for Essex, he seemed to have six foot. Um, but yeah, honestly, it was a huge privilege walking up on the stage and getting that on the back of being voted by the other players. Yeah, I think he was probably your nearest contender, but I think you also were just about beating him, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. I'm going to ask you, actually, I mean, the Sports Personality of the Year is going to be in December. Um, there's a good chance you're going to win that as well with the year you've had. But do those sort of awards mean anything to you? Look, the the Sports Personality, you know, since that sort of came up and like bearing in mind that, you know, I moved over to New Zealand when I was 12. Um, so I didn't grow up with the show I didn't grow up um, watching it every year like everybody would have done here who loves sport you know my wife loves sport my best friend loves sport and they both said like when it started coming around I was just a bit like oh yeah like it is what it is but they were like do you understand how big of a deal this is like this is massive and I think the more it's sort of been spoken about the more I understand actually this is a seriously um, prestigious award to win like you know you don't set out to win things like this as you know some other people on there who who deserve it just as much as each other. Um, it's an amazing war to even be spoken about to be in contention for. Um, but you know, there's <laughs> there's so much more going on before that award starts. <laughs> but yeah, to even be you know mentioned in the breath of being nominated for Sports Person of the Year is is something um, special in itself. Well, you must remember Flintoff one, didn't it? Two thousand and five. I th- no. You That's don't remember thing, that? that, as I say, Big like, Fred. No, I know, I know he did. I know he did. But as I say, you know, not growing up with that mm. show in your childhood, you know, I was fourteen, I think. So I'd only been in England two or three years, so I didn't really understand what it was. <laughs> but um, obviously, if I got older and I've watched it more and you know enjoy a vast, a wider majority of sport, I now get what sports sports personality is. Mm. Well. It, it must be a difficult year for you as well. Obviously, on the cricket field, it's been absolutely str- uh, great for you. But, I mean, now the media intrusion in your life, and I, I mean good stuff, and I mean bad stuff. I mean, that must be very hard for you to deal with because suddenly it's been, boom, it's straight on you like a flash. You're suddenly like the biggest superstar in this country. <laughs> yeah, it's been um, it, it's been a, uh, I'd say, quick change, I think, just because mm. of the summer. And um, something that we're all aware of as as players, you know, we we're saying like, especially throughout the World Cup, if we were going out for dinner, down the street, out shopping, whatever it was, we were like, lads are getting recognised a lot more than we used to. Like, and, and we all understood that. And we know that has came from what we did this summer, what we were doing throughout the World Cup, um, you know, bringing new fans in. Um, inspiring the next generation of cricketers so when you're doing that and when you're performing well on the pitch yeah you're going to have not intru- well you're not going to have intrusion from fans you're going to have more people coming up to you because mm. you know, they recognise you more 
Well, if I were you, I'd stay in the northeast, mate. It's nice and quiet <laughs> up there because yeah. uh, nobody goes up there because it's too cold. Yeah. And obviously, I'm, growing up I in Cumbria, cold. wasn't it? I mean, from 12, I mean, that's when you came over, wasn't it? Your dad, Workington yeah. Rugby League Club. Mm-hmm. Are you still a big fan of rugby? Um, yeah, we moved over when I was 12 because of dad's work being a rugby league coach. Um, to be honest, I, I don't follow rugby league and union as much as I used to. I still obviously watch the big games like the international, like the World Cup, obviously. Um, but I don't follow it as much as I used to. Um, I still really enjoy watching the game when I, if there's a game on, I watch it, I enjoy it. But I wouldn't say I follow it near as well, anywhere near as what I used to. Um, just because cricket now is just such a big part of my life, you sort of don't have mm. have much time really to to watch to watch another thing. I guess golf, golf for me now. That's oh, my second well, sport. We'll get on to golf yeah. because I love golf as well. But let's get on to the cricket because the cricket is where you've made your name. This is what this book is about. Uh, your your year and what a year it's been. We've talked about that. The World Cup. Going into that World Cup. The favourites tag, number one team in the world. How difficult was that coming into an own World Cup with that with that tag for the team? Well, the thing is about that is that we earned the right to be the favourites. We earned the right to be number one with what, with how we had played and the results that we had leaned into that tournament. And you know, our record was phenomenal as a team. But being world number one, being favourites doesn't give you the right to win the tournament. Doesn't give you the right to go. Well, favourites are going to win because that's not how it works. You can be a strong team, yeah, but as you've seen throughout the tournaments, we got beaten by teams that um, everybody was so surprised they beat us. So it can happen, you know. If you don't turn up on the day and you're not 100% and another team is, you know, you're not going to win majority of that. So, you know, we knew that we deserved it, but we didn't take it as an, op- as a, an excuse to go in and light-hearted thinking we're just going to cruise away and win the World Cup. Well, it got off to a great start. I was at that first game, South Africa. I thought, oh dear me, England are going to walk this World Cup. And then, obviously, the defeat to Pakistan. Then you got back on with a nice little run. But though, those two defeats, that must have been hard to take. To come back from that, what do you, was it Sri Lanka and Australia you lost against? That? There must have been a little bit of fear within the team at that moment. And you yourself. Um, but hang on a minute, we might not get through here. Yeah, and the thing about this book is that I go into you know detail not just on the field but also off the field things that happened throughout this whole summer and you know there's a very you know there's a bit in the book here where we speak about uh, the game before India where we have to win every game to get through and I go into detail about how I was feeling how all the people in the team were feeling and how the team in general were feeling so. Um, what I've tried to do is just make this book um, feel as if whoever's reading it is there with us and just tried not to put in, you know, just a little bit about that, a little bit, but I've really tried to focus on getting everything that I can possibly remember into the certain bits that I feel were a massive part of that summer. I know you're a fitness freak. I've seen you do it before games. I've seen you go after games in the gym. When you're in this country and you're going through a World Cup with that pressure, we just talked about golf. Is that your escape these days? Is days off is golf course? Is that is that the way you escape? I've yeah, and cutting my grass is another one that I found is my thing away from cricket. Cutting the grass? Yeah, I know. It must be a sit-on. It's when I go home. (laughs) I yeah, it is. (laughs) It's when I go home. It's the first thing that. I hope it's good weather because it means I can go out 
um, cut the grass, tidy up the leaves and stuff like that. I just find it so therapeutic and I enjoy it so much. And my wife, Claire, just doesn't see it. She doesn't understand. She just constantly goes, you could be doing so much more useful things than doing that right now. But I'm like, no, no, let's leave it. This is my thing. And obviously golf is a huge part of... Um, you know, quite a few of the lads' routine, I would say, of, right, let's golf. We play a lot the day before a game just to get away for four or five hours and not have to worry about the next day. And, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's one of the things where I find is just a thing that takes you away from it all. But haven't you got an obsessive nature, though, because didn't you play three rounds in the book? You talk about you play three rounds in one day. What's all that about? Isn't one enough? Yeah. No, so me and Tom Curran, we both had the golf bug like massively throughout that summer. We were just playing every possible chance we could get. And we were having good games as well. Like we we're roughly getting the same points every time we played. So we were like, right, what are we going to do? We we're like, do you fancy 54 in a day? And TC was like, yeah. And we actually did quite a lot of traveling for it. We went to Stoke Park first, ended up at Fox Hills, did the two courses there. And by the end of it, we both decided that 36 holes is more than enough in one day. Did you have to play the next day? No, 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 no. This was this was day. This was two, three days off. Oh well, yeah. This is right, the day after again. Thankfully, yeah. just go back onto that World Cup. Like I say, you get to the semi-final, you beat Australia, but it must have been a great feeling for you with your roots, obviously, when it was New Zealand in the final. So that must have been a great feeling for you as well. I, I mean, no, not really. Like I didn't look at it as if oh, brilliant it's the New Zealand England final because at the end of the day, New Zealand's just another team to me. When you know, I'm representing England, I'm I'm English. I was born in New Zealand, I remember my roots, I remember where I came from and all that kind of stuff, yeah, but I'm English. Um, you know, I'm going to try and, you know, beat New Zealanders as much as I'm going to try and beat Australia. Um, but, yeah, a lot of people hinted on that and, you know, there's a few, you know, my family's seen the funny side of it, that's a New Zealand-England final, but, <laughs> yeah, I didn't see it like that. Is it split the family when it comes to that? Is it New Zealand-England? If I'm being perfectly honest, I've got absolutely no idea. <laughs> I've got no idea. When New Zealand playing, I've got no idea what mum and dad want to win. I know when New Zealand are not playing England, they want New Zealand to win. And when England are playing someone else, they want England to win. But I've got no idea what they want. Well, I used to play with Andy Caddick and uh, obviously England cricket, New Zealand rugby. Yeah. And he sticks, stands by that. Craig White were the same, Australia rugby, England cricket. But uh, like I say, it's all for their own. But come the final, New Zealand, it's here at Lords, the Omer cricket. The conditions weren't great. The pitch wasn't great. New Zealand made... Two four one, mm. I think for eight. What do you think at, at, at halfway stage? You think you we got this? It was a it was an innings where we just never felt like New Zealand ever got away from us whatsoever. Mm. Like, yes, it was a difficult it was difficult conditions. You know, it was like overcast. The pitch was a bit sticky. There was quite a lot of seam movement on offer, and scoring looked hard. It was a wicket where no one ever looked in, no matter how long they stayed at the crease. So coming off at the end we're like two four two four ones like yeah it's but we back ourselves to get that and you go when I seen the first ball as I say when it hit J-Roy on the pad I was like oh, I can't believe he's not giving that out <laughs> and then just sort of like as you say like didn't we didn't get off to a great start and things like that and I was actually you know I was thankful that I was out there when I was quite quickly like just because I'm a, I'm a horrendous wreck well, it was eighty-six for four, wasn't it? Eighty-six yeah. for four. I'm like, I'm such a bad watcher, like in big in situations like that. Like, I would much rather be out there than up there watching because I can't do anything. Um, 
especially in a World Cup final where things are looking tough. So when you're sat in the dressing room then, I mean, we're all different, um, every one of us. Are you someone who can't sit? You, do you have to walk around? Are you moving around all the time? Or are you sat there concentrating, biting the handle at the bat like Matthew Ogard used to do? Or are you somebody like Flintoff who's up and down, going to the toilet every two minutes? What's, how do you prepare? Um, yeah, I can't. Nervous I'm wreck. Up. Not nervous wreck, it's just like, because I'm next in. Like, I, I honestly, I don't get fully kitted up until I'm actually next into bat. I've got all my stuff ready to put on, but unless, so when a wicket falls and then say number four goes in, I'm not even ready yet. I don't get ready until I'm... You must have that yeah. nightmare dream we've all had as cricketers, but you, you missed your, your way to bat, but you oh, got yeah. your pads on in time. And, yep, all had that dream, yeah. <laughs> Probably I had it once and see if it actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're in, right? 86 yeah. for four, you and Butler, um, just had to get England back in the game. It was an, am an amazing partnership. I think it was 110. Um, but that got England back in the game. But still, still a long way to go. Did you always believe when you were batting there with Joss that we've got this? As long as me and Joss are there, we've got this game in the bag. To be honest, I've watched it back. And if you take away the... Obviously, everybody knows what happens. But if you take away, when me and Joss are batting there together, if you take away the ending of how it turned out, if you look at that game from what was acquired, the fact we're only four down, we are absolutely cruising that game. Do you know what I mean? Even when Joss gets yeah. out, we should still be cruising the game. But you're in a World Cup final. like Everything's just 10 times more... Yeah, it's more stressful because you know what's on the line. Um but there, then it just sort of, as I say, like pressure started getting to, you know, I started feeling, I, I normally feel quite controlled when I'm out there in the middle, but I still believed, I still knew what I had to do. And the most pressure I probably put on myself throughout that whole time was deciding what to do on the last ball, which some people might find ridiculous. Well, we'll get to that. 15 off the last over. We saw the massive six, was a great shot. That's when everybody thought, oh, actually, we still got this. Then it was the two. And then there was the dive, uh, but I still can't believe that actually hit your mm. bat and, and flew off. Uh, what, what were you thinking at that moment in time? Do you think, oh, uh, what do I do here? Uh, is it four? Is it six? <laughs> is it five? What did you think? I didn't know if it was, I knew it was going to be more than four, but I didn't know. I thought, like, yeah. I had no idea what they signaled. Like, and you know, the, the umpires got a bit of stick after it finished because people had the chance to look up the rules. Whereas Murray and Kuma had to make a decision out there straight away. But yeah, there's obviously like, there's nothing you can do except stay there. And then eventually when it went for four, like I was just, I was just like, so sorry. But yeah, it's just one of those freak incidents that will probably, the fact he threw it 70 yards away on perfectly onto my bat, which avoided the fielder who was backing the ball up and then went for four, like 10 yards further on than the fielder was just such a freak accident well the way you ended that game obviously it went to the super over we, we all saw that i mean i'll be honest with you and i loved the game of cricket i played the game of cricket i had no i had idea i had no idea of the rules mm -hmm. what were you like all, all you guys on the field because we all play cricket but we don't really know the rules of the game if it goes down to wickets or it goes down to runs or it goes down to boundaries mm. hit after a super over did you did you know what? so i yeah well we did but we didn't the only reason we knew is because we got told that if it's a draw, we win on boundary count back. But we were like, oh, that's not all right. But we didn't think it would actually go to it. 
but we had no idea about the full ins and outs rules because I've probably never seen it. Well, Vince, he didn't know the rules, did he? He was 12th man. Yeah. come out and give you the wrong info, didn't he? <laughs> he came out and he was like, I think if we get one here, we win. And I was like, I had to make sure. And then asked Murray and he was like, almost knew what I was going to ask. And he just went, yeah, super over. So yeah. I was like, right, okay, sweet. So when you made 15 in the Super Over, you and Josh, obviously then it was down to the bowlers to do their job. And Joffrey Archer, um, I mean, what a player, mm -hmm. what a young man. Um, his debut summer playing international cricket. What did you say to him? Because you, you give him some words of advice, didn't you, before the, he bowled that over, mm -hmm. which was a massive thing to do. You've been there, haven't you? Yeah. And so it's a massive thing to do. Yeah. I go on I go on about that that moment a bit more in detail in the book but it was a case where I'd been thinking about it and then I went no no leave him he's fine oh no actually I should no leave him he's fine well I know what Joffre's like he's got this like but then it was like no nah, because if I don't say it and it goes wrong I'm gonna blame it on myself and it wasn't anything like outrageous like inspirational or anything like that it was just like he knows that I've been through, you know, a bad time in this situation and hearing something from me so small will mean the world to a 24 year old on his first summer bowling the super over <laughs> in a world cup final. <laughs> I, I agree with you. I listen, I, I, I honestly believe that I think it's the most important thing uh, when you're bowling is, but even if it's just a tap on your shoulder, yeah. a tap on the backside or just a couple of good words, just to say you've got this, you know mm. what I mean? And I think it's so important and that would have meant a lot to Joffre. Mm. Um, can you see that now? But those small, those few words would have meant so much to Joffre. Mm. I, I think I knew, I, I think that's why I said it. Mm. As I say, I was umming and ahhing whether to say it, but you know, deep down I knew it was it was the best thing to do because and he's asked me about how have you come he asked me like how did you come back from the final like in the first year in the IPL like how what did you do like how do you come back from something like that and like I couldn't really give him an answer and I said to him after I was like there's your answer wow and so you win it that moment tell us about on the field when you saw that ball come across <laughs> Gupta run out Butler takes the bales off you've won the World Cup on home soil how did that feel yeah like don't know, just such a natural reaction from everyone. I just think everyone's emotions and adrenaline just overtook everyone. And obviously I got emotional about it. I don't really get emotional about too many things, but yeah, the more I tried to stop, the more, I, the more tears came out of my eyes. It was, yeah, such an amazing feeling. And it's actually, yeah, it's awesome to think about now, sat here even. Mm. I'm jealous, yeah. really, really am, I can imagine. I'd have been the same, I'm an emotional character yeah. as well, I would have been exactly the same. What about the celebrations? Um, everybody talks about 2005, the celebrations there. Win a World Cup? I mean, amazing, I mean, it must have been good celebrations. Yeah, I mean, celebrations are so, like, sacred, but the changing room time is like, yeah. that's where everything is like, those are memories where they're made with your teammates, you know, family and friends came in with us after as well. Like looking around the changing room at one point, it was completely, and Lord's changing room's never been that full before. There was just everyone's family and friends were in there at one stage, which was just so awesome. If you take, took a step back from where, what you were doing and just looked around, it was a real special moment to be involved in. And and obviously after at the hotel, everyone being together and everyone's still in their one day kit, no shoes on with medals around the necks. It was just, Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Awesome. Family means a lot to you, doesn't it, Ben? Mm. I've gathered that over the last few years um you're very much a family person are you yeah definitely and you know behind you know all of us lads out there performing and trying to go out there and, and do what we do in the field there's 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 people behind that who are who are with you because of who you are as a person not of who you are as a i don't know a cricketer or a sportsman mm. they like you regardless because uh, of who you are and who go through things with you through thick and thin good times and bads and that's what family and friends are for and um, never take them for granted. Well, let's get straight on to the Ashes because you didn't get much chance uh, to rest up. The Ashes, did they come too soon? Uh, no. When it when it all started, like, yeah, like, I'm not going to say like, we opened up about it and we all said that we were tired, the guys who mm. played in the World Cup and the Ashes, we we let them know. We let the team know, like, a thing like, yeah, like, lads, we're, we're tired here. Like, I'd rather not be doing this camp right now. Um, which quickly then got switched around because we also had guys there who were in the test team their summer was starting they were so up for what was going to be ahead the next five six weeks that yeah we we're like that we feel tired we feel drained but we've also got to appreciate yeah but these guys summer's about to start it's not like drag them down but then at the same time they also appreciated that this isn't the start of our summer we've just been through seven weeks of world cup so there was such a good like mm. um understanding there between everyone who'd been in the World Cup about to play in the Ashes and everyone who was just starting off like like Stuart Broad and Jimmy Anderson you know I, I don't think things like that would ever have been spoken about 10 years ago if, if a World Cup and a 
Ashes was in the same year, it would have just been, right, crack on. Whereas now we actually let each other know how we're feeling, which I think is just such a, 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 a great place to be at as a team and that we can understand and we, we're fine with it between each other. I think if we're honest, all of us uh, watching now look back, uh, although it makes for a great book and it makes for a great summer of cricket, it would have probably been better if it would have been someone like the West Indies would have followed the World Cup rather than such an important series like the Ashes. But forget the first test. What about um, Lords? Because that was a big moment for you, wasn't it? That 100. Mm. It was the first one, I think, since West Indies, a few years, the first one since Bristol. And that must, for you, mentally must have been a big moment, that 100. It was, yeah. And, you know, obviously, like, I knew I hadn't. And there's, you know, like, obviously, scoring hundreds is, like, great and stuff like that. Scored a few before that. and But I'm not going to lie, like, this one here was a bit of relief. Mm. Um yeah it was it was relief and there was a little bit for the first time I've probably ever felt as I say like a little bit of selfishness in my celebration in terms of how I was feeling just because it had been you know obviously a tough time and I hadn't had one since then and been a long time coming and then yeah managed to get it at Lord's and it was a good one it's a special place to do it though isn't it to get yeah. on the board are you actually on the board was mm. that the first time, or were you on for bowling, I think, weren't you? Uh, bowling and batting before, yeah. Oh, all right, stop showing up. <laughs> you asked, <laughs> <laughs> So you're on both. So that was the moment for you, which was a big moment. Mentally, it was a, a, to get an 100 again, especially in an Ashes series, to show some fight. It, it was massive. But the story of the summer uh, for me, after the World Cup, outside the World Cup, was Head and Lee. And I think when I, I was at that test match, and... We can all talk about your batting all day long because we could write a full book just on that batting display. But for me, it was the bowling display which was special. 24.2 overs on the bounce because Joffrey Archer obviously had an injury. How do you do that? Seriously. <laughs> I was a fast bowler, well, medium fast bowler, fast medium, whichever way you want to do it. But how do you bowl 24.2 overs on the trot? Uh, well, I did have a good night kip in between in between that but um, look I I wouldn't have been able to do that two years ago like body wouldn't have like I remember waking up in the morning after bowling the 13 mm. or 14 over spell uh, the night before I was a bit worried about how I was going to feel in the morning not gonna lie but I woke up in the morning like I'm actually pretty fresh like <laughs> I don't actually feel like I bowled that spell um, whereas if I did that as I say like 18 months two years ago I would just would have been on the massage bed at 8.30 in the morning and wouldn't have got off till 9.30 um, but it's just as I say like the older you get the harder you have to train in the last 18 months I've just made sure that I'm not letting the team down performance wise or result wise through my fitness mm. well you've always been a batsman haven't you really I mean from being a youngster at Durham a batsman who bowls your bowling's got better but it it must be very difficult for you. I've seen with all-rounders, whether it be Jack Callis, whether it be Flintoff, one kind of overtakes the other. And for you, is batting now becoming the dominant force? No, see, like, I think a few people were, you know, a few of the journalists and, and the media were saying, like, Ben's, you know, the team could benefit more with Ben if, as a batsman if his bowling took a backward step or wasn't as, um, what's the word? wasn't used as much as it is this summer, but I'll never ever say yes to that. 
to if a coach or Rooty says, yeah, this is our plan, I'll be like, nah, mate, that's not, that's not me. That's not what got me into this team in the first place. But you tend to bowl better. From what I've seen over the last two years, three years, you seem to bowl better when the pitch is flat. You seem to be... I, I've, I've seen um, Joe Root look at you and think, oh, it's flat here, I need a wicket. I'm looking around. Yeah, there you go, Ben. You go and bowl me 20 overs. So you seem to rise to that challenge. The flatter the pitch, it seems to be, but you, Sri Lanka, you were used as the enforcer coming in and bowling bouncers on flat, unresponsive pitches. I think even before we went to Sri Lanka, like we've sort of, I found a method of like something just completely out of the box in test cricket. Like obviously we've seen, you know, the, um, the body line stuff from years back and now you can't do that because of the fields but found a method where if it looks if it doesn't look like we can get a wicket conventionally like you do in test cricket then running up and bowling six bounces at someone is actually a really hard delivery to not just score for if you set the right field you've got three men back and you want to take it on like for one then that's fine and if you hit me for four that's fine I don't mind that because it's a big risk if you get it wrong at all it goes straight from the end you're out so we've almost like I've gone like and Ruti loves to use it as well where it's just like right we can't get one should we try bounce warfare for like three four overs like yeah sweet and it's been successful for us and I think then in Sri Lanka it became more apparent even on the slower wickets that don't offer the same amount of response like an English wicket or an Australian wicket will that it is very hard to play because six bounces at your head you can get out of the way of a few but then ego takes over every batsman and goes oh no you can't keep doing that I'm going to whack you and then you do that straight up in the air out I've got out to it before Neil Wagner <laughs> my, I let my ego get in the way <laughs> well we all do we all do yeah 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 so we've seen now so I, I, it's good to hear actually but you obviously uh, the bowling is such a massive thing and we saw with that performance at Edinburgh but it means a lot to you to still be a major part of England with the ball as well as the bat because there's talk you're moving up the order and doing all this and all that but bowling and batting is still uh, obviously your plan moving forward but let's get to the batting at that Edinley because what I saw there was just something which um, people are talking about being the greatest innings of all time seriously did you think you had any chance when Leachy come to the to the wicket hmm. 72 was it still hmm. needed did you, realistically the ashes was gone <clears throat> I think like yeah obviously like I knew like that it's, it's still gettable like I've been in for such a long period of time and at that moment in time like I was seeing the ball so well but it was just the, the the big difference there was having to change gears from how I was playing to then going into like key of 10 like at the click of a finger because we'd lost quick wickets um, so I, I was seeing I was seeing the ball well like I was felt like I was picking up length and line like quickly because I've been in for such a long period of time um, but yeah I still believe that we could do it but when we got down to single figures is when I really just sort of went oh, we well, can do this I started I started thinking all the different ways that I could play this to get us to victory but then I eventually just said you've got us to this situation playing a certain way so keep doing it yeah well that must yeah like, I agree with that must have been the hardest because at first you thought well we've lost this I'm the only person who can get us there now. I'm going to play these shots. You middle absolutely everything. But when you got under 10, that's when the nerves was to set in. And that shot, you hit straight down the ground and you could see you just egging it on and it just went over, didn't it? Just mm. went over the fielder's head. That must have been the relief moment. The thing about when you're hitting a six 
even if there's a fielder there is you know if it's got enough on it like I'd deep down I was like yeah I'm pretty sure I have but just <laughs> just give it a little <laughs> blow just to be sure well you got good sticks haven't you? yeah um, but then the carnage that I was after that was just Le- Leachy's that far it just doesn't even want to be associated with it he doesn't even want to speak about it people ask him about what we think and he just goes I don't want to speak about it the run out doesn't he he does not want to speak about it <laughs> it's honestly it's such a real sore point for him when you look back now because you must have watched that about what about the LBW to Nathan Lyon yeah. what did you think when you look back that out yeah not out not out no yeah, you still because obviously uh, the radar says it was out <laughs> the radar <laughs> whatever it is DRS is wrongs every now and again <laughs> and um, like it's technology it's not always going to be right but it's just the whole everything about it was just wrong I've watched it back in slow motion like countless times and it's not out winning the World Cup that moment that moment at Edenley to level the series did you ever think did you ever try and compare the two and think which was the bigger moment can't can't I can't split the two in terms of which one I enjoyed more or which one I would like to relive again because I, I can't but you live for being in them moments um, I yeah I'd rather be out there what yeah. I'm saying than in the dressing room much rather be out there than being in the dressing room have that pressure on you yeah. but unfortunately you levelled the series but the Ashes um, you levelled the series obviously at the Oval but they retained the Ashes that must have been a disappointing end uh, to the um, summer yeah I can, yeah. like obviously we wanted to retain them and stuff like that and we were very disappointed after the game in Manchester but um, you know going into that week we quickly moved on and focused on what the last game of the summer meant for, for our team like what we've got to salvage from it and once we all realised that we don't want to send Australia back with a win winning the series winning the Ashes like winning the Ashes is different to retaining the Ashes. Um, they obviously retained it because of the last result. So we went into that final game with a lot to play for. You've got the Test Championship now. Yeah. And you've got the fact of being on an English side, not wanting to let Australia leave, winning. 3-1 or 2-1, however it was. So we wanted to win that game. Well, it's points, isn't it? Yeah, it's points. points. So, game. you know, we ended the summer on a massive high because of how much we wanted to win that game. Uh, it, meant, it did actually mean a lot to us throughout that summer. Like... It's been incredible. We wanted to finish it on a big high. And Trevor's last game in charge, we wanted to win it for him. We wanted him to go out on a high, which we managed to do. So, yeah, that last game was more than just turning out and filling in the filling in the game because it was scheduled. Was he good for your game, Trevor Bailey? He's brilliant for everybody involved who walked in and put an England shirt on. Brilliant. And, and obviously the Test Championship is big now moving forward for you. That's going to be massive. But... New Zealand's a bit of a freebie, isn't it? The test there. It's not part of the test championship, mm. but you must be looking forward to those two tests in New Zealand. Yeah. I've got no idea why they're not. I don't I don't it understand weird, it. Yeah. It is bizarre. But yeah, New Zealand, you know, take away the cricket, it's an unbelievable place to, to go. You know, it's it's a lovely country as I know from growing up there. Um, you know, it's more than just a tour for me. It's a chance to see my mum, my dad. Um, all my other family and nana cousins uncles all that kind of stuff so I've you know I really enjoy going and touring New Zealand it's um, as I say it's more than just a cricket tour for me um, so I'm really looking forward to that and then obviously South Africa after that um, but yeah I've, 
I'm not too sure why New Zealand's not part of the Test Championship as we're playing Test matches. I know, it's, it's a great yeah. place to tour, definitely. Chris Silwood as well is your new coach. Um, obviously, I play with him at Yorkshire. He's a fantastic uh, lad, good um you pleased for him? Got the coach's job? Yeah, he's, he's done a brilliant job over the last two or three years as being our bowling coach. Um, he's he's almost been the other half to a head coach that Trevor... Do you know what I mean? If you put the yeah. two together... Perfect. You'd, not perfect, but it's like, oh, that's the half and then that's the half. Yeah. Because Trevor's a man of many, of few words... <laughs> And Spoons comes up with brilliant ideas about bowling plans and where to bowl here, what we sh- what we do good as a unit, which is almost like, it's like, you know, if, if Trevor had that as well, not taking away that he's not a fantastic coach because he is, but working with Spoons and how he thinks about the game and tactically um, has, you know, played at the highest level, played years and years and years of first-class cricket. Um, I've got no doubt that he will be able to continue what, Trevor has started and left because um, I know Spoons really enjoyed the way that Trevor operated and he won't want to change Brilliant. change anything about it last question can England because this is all the plan now can England get back to number one te- test team in the world 100% brilliant Ben absolute pleasure thanks for your time cheers, and nothing. the best of luck cheers pal You've been listening to the following on podcast from TalkSport and you can join us every morning throughout the two-test tour of New Zealand before we head to South Africa for live and exclusive coverage of the Test and Limited Overs series. You won't be able to follow the action from the ground anywhere else, so subscribe, review the following on podcast at Acast, iTunes or Spotify. Thanks for listening. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.